Hello everybody, welcome to episode 11 of the BAM Creative Show, podcast about marketing, advertising, digital stuff. We're your hosts, I'm Richard, digital producer, this is... I'm Jess, I'm digital strategist, I was going to say digital producer as well. I'm digital strategist here at BAM Creative. And we've got... I'm Josh, <laughs> uh, business development manager at BAM Creative. Hi. Hi. Hey. And it's time for another Ask Bam. We do this periodically. Uh, we get questions sent into us, and then we take the opportunity to answer them. Cool. So, who's got the questions? I don't have. We have the questions. You guys got the questions. All right, in front of me. I'm not wearing my glasses, so this could be interesting. Cool. So, so we, question. Have, we have quite a lot. How many questions? We'll just see how we go with time. We'll, go, right? we'll see how we go. Okay, cool. Pick out the most awesomeness questions. Oh, that's going to be easy because they're all awesomeness. Mm. In today's news. Margot Pels um, from, sorry, is a marketing manager at B Arena, and her question is, do we really need a blog for social media marketing? You always hear it's a non-negotiable, but considered that we have a very small team, there just isn't enough time to write blogs consistently. Can we just break that question down? To, <laughs> let me just actually read. Do we really need a blog for social media marketing? Now, that opening question to me is very apparent to a lot of companies currently. Mm. And if we go back to our BFF, Gary Vaynerchuk, who said every company should act as though they are a media company. They should be creating content that their competitors and the employees of their competitors want to read. I mean, if we, I mean, I'm not saying he's right. I just like his take on this because... Are they competitors or their target audience? Their target audience and their competitors. Hmm. Cool. Now, I have had experience where I worked at a place where we actually created a blog and it was about news in that industry and a competitor actually took a news article from our blog and used it as their news article that was awesome that was like validation that what we were doing was actually really good it's the highest form of compliment it's really awesome but the other issue as well is yeah that too the other issue as well is that a lot of companies do struggle with time and that is one of the Mm. biggest things actually stop a lot of companies from doing their own content marketing strategy Mm. um and you know it's not exactly simple for us as well we have a process going to make things a lot easier for ourselves but it is extremely difficult so i would say that you know as we talked about in previous episodes actually selecting a pillar of content being the type of content that you're most comfortable creating whether that's video audio or um written um so it really depends on what you're comfortable with doing but you have to pick one of them and a blog is just a really good way at anchoring all that content together so for example we have our blog and even though we have this podcast and this video we tie it all together on our blog and that really helps to drive the traffic to our website so um yeah it's just seeing this do we really need a blog yes if I really wanted to, like, too long didn't read my question mm-hmm. and answer that, I would say, yes, you do. But I would also say that um, make sure that you're actually committed to it because if you're going to have a blog and you're just going to let it sit there and um, not create any content for it, then um, I would question the process. Anyway. Well answered. I like that. That's good. Um, I would say, all right, the way I read this, do you really need a blog for social media marketing? No, you can do social media marketing without a blog. Um, but I do agree with Jessie, you probably want a blog. Um, and the whole thing about writing consistently, 
if it's kind of a long-term game, you know, you don't need to be consistent, but you should make an effort to find the time. Having said that, I mean, unless you've got a website with only three blog articles since you launched your site, I mean, that's, that's not worth having a blog for. If you can do better than that, then you're playing a search engine optimization game as well. So you, there's mm-hmm. still other benefits to having it. But Besides like, social media marketing. Why are you doing social media marketing in the first place? Why does any company want to do social media marketing in the first place? Because mm. they want to increase brand awareness, right? They want to like step out in front of their competition. They want to be seen. And I feel like... <sighs> what is the a content? A good way of doing that. A is that right? is a really good way of doing that. But it's a yeah. way of like we've talked about as well. with actually creating that content, breaking it down into smaller yep. pieces of content so you can actually mm-hmm. push it out onto your social media channels. But I just... Yeah... It, but it's what you all said tied back together. about not just writing content for the sake of writing content, yeah. like that is first and fundamental. Uh, yeah. Content is king or queen, depending yeah. on on the gender of your company. Oh, uh, the co- we <laughs> very <laughs> equal opportunity. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just make sure you're writing something that people want to read. Josh, Josh, cool. Um, I agree with both of your points. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I just feel like I just like bear my heart out and vulnerable and he's like I agree oh, I do agree <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to add to that I think in terms of um, yeah social media marketing I guess one of the major considerations one of the other considerations for for having a blog be a part of your social media marketing strategy is I guess to, to retain some control mm-hmm. um, knowing that your website is your platform that you own Yep. that you can um manage that you can change um, at, you know your, your whim that that should provide you with some confidence that when you're creating great engaging content um, if you have some of it housed on your own website in the event that say tomorrow Facebook for whatever reason just closes their doors um, and restricts access for you onto their platform or Instagram does or LinkedIn does then to have um, a toe in the water as far as your own blog and then to know like you said that it's been well optimized for search engine traffic mm. um, can be beneficial um, yeah I do like the idea of being able to to own your own property I don't like the yeah. idea of being wholly reliant on uh, third-party platforms to be able to distribute my content and then retain engagement or maintain engagement on those platforms um, it's good to because the way I look at it is all of these are really just um, well, they should essentially be signposts that direct people back to your business. Sure. If you think of it like just, yep. you know, street maps. Um, and then if you've got, if you're in, an, if you change that signpost to then be an information booth, then there's no reason for them to go back to your business, your place mm-hmm. of business. Um, in in my very confusing example, but yeah, I think being smart <laughs> about about how to, like you say, manage the content is really key. So yeah, keeping the fundamentals really important planning with some clear goals in mind is it to just increase awareness on Facebook or on yeah. Instagram or is it also to, to to post knowing that maybe you won't get a great reach but you'll get high engagement is another thing I'm aware of one um, business unit within a pretty large educational um, uh, organization and then their focus has always been to put out relevant content um, on a few channels on a regular basis and then what's happened is that Certainly when you look at their content, um, it is regular, and you look at some of their competitors as well across Australia, theirs is also regular, but it's night and day when you compare engagement, 
And that's because they've really listened to what their students have wanted or what prospective students have wanted to see. Mm. So they put that content up. Um, so as long as, like you say, you're catering to what um, the target market is looking for, um, and then maybe you have information that's relevant to competitors, that's fine. But yeah, everything is going to help separate yourself from the rest of the pack, and that's the best position for you to be in. And social media is a great opportunity to do that because there's a lot of attention on Facebook versus your own website or Instagram or YouTube versus your own website. And so it's just, it's just about being smart and figuring out ways to get them back to your site yeah. um, to take some kind of action. Or even if you have a call to action on social media platforms as well. So mm. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. Can I just jump in there as well? Because um, when I mentioned the media company thing, I don't know if you guys sort of pay attention to a lot of you know, news articles, you'll notice that a lot of media, news articles have been republished on other websites as well. So they'll say, you know, originally published mm. on the luck. Um, and the thing was with the social media strategy, and we've done it here as well, we've had a social media strategy without our blog being the driver behind that. Um, doing it that way has made, did make it quite difficult for us to maintain consistency with our voice and our brand making sure that we were offering content of value to our users because we were just ensuring that something was going out, you know, periodically. Mm. Um, when you're, when you don't have sort of like a social media strategy that's driven by your own content, you're merely just reposting. Um, and so, uh, if you notice from like media outlets, they have a mix of content that they've curated mm. because they feel that like it's of value to their audience, but they also have content that they've created again they feel like it adds value to their audience so that's sort of where I, I feel like a blog could be that media outlet that drives everything else and I know we've just said that but I'm just trying to think of another example mm, to kind no, of get example. you in that headspace of understanding the importance of it and yeah, yeah anyway, cool. next question um, this one says like added to that is oh, you always terrible. hear it's a non-negotiable sorry non-negotiable oh, wait yeah, you always hear that including a blog so oh, non-negotiable that's just mean and <laughs> just kidding non-negotiable yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's important but I think ultimately mm. because every business is different yeah it'll all come back to who you're who you're trying to talk to yeah and then understanding not just assuming but but very uh, like yeah um, very clearly being able to understand how they prefer to consume content sure because if you're bogged down and so there's a mention here of say if you have a small team there's difficulty in, in producing content if you're if you don't have the resource, um, but then in your own research you determine, oh cool, all of the decision makers that we wish to engage with our brand later in the future, yep. they all have a um, preference to listening to podcasts or audio content. Yep. Um, so then that in itself opens potentially a window for you to be able to say start up your own podcast channel, mm. and to be able to produce that could be very like a lot more um, a lot less intensive than having to write an article. I'm not too sure. On the um, times, I much prefer to do judgment. like I would love to do podcasting just on its own mm. and but we notice that our audience consumes content in different ways and so we have our strategy to cater to that but yeah yeah but that, that again is that that's back to our strategy yeah and so I would never I would never project our strategy on everyone no 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 but that's that's us and like people would say that's nuts like I just want to do podcasting because of xyz because it's easy because our audiences that's how they consume content and whatever it is but I just like it's just easy to talk <laughs> I mean, it makes it yep. so much easier to for the author. I mean, it's it's quick, it's easy. You upload mm. it, you write a few notes, and if you really want to, you have the opportunity to expand upon that and sure. make either written video as well. But yeah, 
Just one more note on this um, as well before we move on to the next uh, question. Look, the terminology blog, uh, it, it's not necessarily set in stone because I know some businesses um, really don't feel like they, they don't think a blog is appropriate for them, right? But they might have publications, they might just have news. Um, it can amount to the same thing. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, but I have, yeah, a blog is interesting terminology. Because it's what it's like. It's early, mid, late nineties, right? So mm. when blogging was, there was a rise of blogging, and now it's yeah, mm. news, articles, journal, whatever the terminology. Yeah, but if you're yeah. spending time creating your own content and then pushing it to a website as a publication and then sharing that on LinkedIn, I mean, mm. it's achieving the same result. Yeah. Okay. Yep, I agree. Good. Now, next question. Question two. Yeah. What are some common marketing mistakes businesses make? Okay, Boom. I could start off by saying that a lot of, in my experience, um, a lot of businesses in their marketing, they don't, they don't change things um, and they just accept the way things are because it's too hard to break whatever cycle they're going through. So you mean like mm. they, they do one thing, yeah. they get success in that one thing, and then they yeah, just or maybe keep they're doing not, it over and maybe over. They're not, they're not getting oh, success, not, okay. but they don't know how to, um, how to change things. Maybe, yeah. the, maybe the problem is that they do something without actually um, ascertaining the true value of that activity. Yeah. Yeah. That's what about you, thing. Josh? Josh, cool. Um, <laughs> that is your real name. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so not planning with the end in mind. Yep. So, um, and I think we've covered this in previous podcasts, but really starting a campaign uh, because the impetus is a a persistent colleague or a persistent peer in in the industry that you work in, who's who's always saying to you, you need to get on Facebook, or are you on Facebook, or you don't have an Instagram profile, or yeah. you don't have a YouTube channel, or you don't have blogs on, or you haven't done SEO. So a myriad of things can can lead to pushing people over the edge. Mm. And don't get me wrong, um, when you're struggling and you're stagnating in the market, sometimes having a little bit of a push from, from people or other influences can be a positive. But when when it's completely devoid of, of fundamental goals, then you set yourself up for failure as well because mm. there is no guiding light when you start running a Facebook campaign and saying, I need to be on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook. Like it's a terrible reason to start doing it. Versus, <laughs> I've, versus I've done yeah, yeah. I've done my research and yeah. I know that between forty to sixty percent of my target audience um, is on Facebook. They're active. Mm-hmm. They also, as either the a secondary or a tertiary focus, will talk about a topic that's thematically related to my business. And so I do really feel that if we have a Facebook campaign running, um, and if that Facebook campaign touches on some of the pain points that people are going through, some of the things they're frustrated about, or especially that they're already having a dialogue about with their their friends or their peers, then that can be a great opportunity for us to get in there, really drop some key information for them and have them either remember us because of that information, or hopefully come back to our website or to our own page and have a dialogue with us. Mm. So I think those those are very two different those are two very different reasons to start doing a campaign okay i just need to read this and make sure because i think what i'm going to say is going to be a little bit controversial but know that i'm coming from a good place and that i have worked in many different environments and so uh yeah i i I have been uh, very close to a lot of different marketing campaigns and i've been very close to marketing campaigns in which uh some are done in-house and some are outsourced and um 
Outsourcing is really good because you can get that outsider point of view. And I think that's really important because a lot of, uh, um, you know, marketers are, like you were saying, are just kind of like in, you know, keep doing the same thing over and over until it, it maybe is working or it's not working. Um, and either it's not working and they continuously do the same thing in hopes that eventually it will pick up again. And that's where an outside source can come in and kind of like, you know, set you straight and give you some pointers and, and create a strategy for you and guide you. Um, however, <clears throat> sometimes um, marketing teams can rely too much on outsourcing as in, you know, to give responsibility to outside parties, I suppose, if there's a failure or if something's not quite working. Um, and this kind of ties back to uh, a lot of times my clients will want to review a, a digital campaign once a month. And it depends on the frequency of the campaign and how many campaigns you're running and how many different audiences you're targeting. But I feel that once a month's actually not <laughs> enough, especially if there's quite a, a large spend um, and maybe it's for a product, a life of a product that, you know, there's a product launch and we want to actually map that and mm. see what it's tracking and see the public reaction to it. I feel like a month is, is not enough. Um, and this is kind of where you would want to take it in-house. So... Um, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying in terms of um, checking the reporting and the data and things like that. But I, I do think sometimes it's really worth knowing when to outsource and when to bring in-house. And I think that a lot of um, marketing teams are unaware of when the right time to do that is. And I would really say that if you really want uh, a lot more control over your campaigns and you have the spend to do so, then, um, you know, sure outsource because you can, you know, the time that spend you spend actually conversing with the company that you're outsourcing to are available to you. But if you want, um, if you don't really have that spend available to you and you want, um, to make changes over the course of a campaign, you want the data to be readily available, then it, you know, might be a consideration to keep it in house or, you know, contract in-house or something okay. like that. That's just, yep. I mean, I've seen this a lot and yeah, it, it's really up to the discretion mm -hmm. of the marketing team and department. But um, yeah, because the, 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 this is where I'm coming from, right? It can be a really frustrating thing when you have a lot of money in a campaign and you've outsourced and things are not as quick and reactive as you'd like them to be. And sometimes that may very well happen in-house as well because everyone's busy doing other things sure. and whatever it is, but uh, using an outside uh, company can be, sometimes can add to the frustration. So I'm just, I'm not saying I can see why you say that it's I'm just saying that sometimes, yeah. it is controversial. Yeah. No. I'm definitely not saying <laughs> don't hire us. We love you all, no, no, but no. I'm just saying we have to do and say what's best for you. I, okay. want, I want to be transparent about this and say these are things that you should consider. I feel like your point is maybe it's it's closer to, so if we're looking at what are common mistakes that businesses make, mm. and it's probably more akin to saying, um, like one of the business mistakes, but one of the mistakes businesses have when they engage in digital marketing, et cetera, yeah. is they don't have clear expectations. Yep. Okay. Like it all boils down, yep. like in a way it all boils down to, to clear expectations. So what are the expectations when you engage with an agency? Mm. Um, are they going to be weekly deliverables, daily? Are they going to be monthly? Um, what are you really going to need versus what you're signing to to start as, as a program or a campaign? Mm. And so where there's that 
um, where's that where there's the the difference in the two mm. that's where you'll run into problems or a, or a business may run into problems so yeah. having really clear expectations on what you need to deliver mm-hmm. whether you can deliver that to the client uh, to the agency who's helping you with that and what the agency is going to deliver it and then what communication you guys have to have throughout the period of a campaign or anything mm. like that I think that would alleviate, would you agree? Yeah, the for sure. That you mentioned? And look, you won't ever really know until you're in a campaign. Mm. And whether you're doing it yourselves or whether you're outsourcing, you won't really know what works for you until you're actually in there and doing it. So I'm in no way saying that when you start a campaign, you must outsource or you must do it in your house. It's just like whatever is going to be working well yeah. with your processes and your expectations as well. Yeah, I think we talked about this, haven't we? I mean, if you yeah. feel like you're not getting either the communication or, you know, just the satisfaction you, you're expecting, then, um, you know, communicate that with the agency. I mean, we, we're managing quite a few digital marketing yeah. um, campaigns at the moment and there's no way touching base once a month would actually, it, would, it wouldn't work. It's, it's sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. It's yeah. really difficult. No, you're right. On, it is. Um, you know. I mean, if it's like SEO or a slower moving thing, that's mm. one thing. But mm-hmm. if you need that, you know, um, constant checking, for example, AdWords or something like that, if it's freshly set up, you've got to be looking at, you know, the, um, the search terms report, that sort of thing, I'd say even daily. Um, so how you use your, your monthly allotted hours is sort of, I think the impetus is on the agency to do the right thing and communicate that back to the client. But if, yeah. if you're on the other side um, and you don't know what the agency is doing, then you, you're going to assume the worst as well. So Yeah. There, it's cool though because in the market at the moment there are plenty of tools and there's, there are um, ways to set up reporting so you can be able to see very quickly how results are progressing. So if we use a Facebook campaign, for example, if you were to set up that, or if you were engaged with an agency to set that up, then they could also provide you with access to be able to look at, for instance, the, the campaign progress or campaign results. Um, that In that regard, you might be able to see some high-level stats um, or numbers, and then, say, at the end of a month or on a fortnightly basis, maybe you'll have an agreement with the agency to provide you with a summary of activity. And, and then doing that could be a good way of keeping closer track on how a campaign progresses. But... Um, yeah, uh, and then there are a myriad of other tools like you can set up Google Docs or even um, I think there are what's a new Google report that we use? Um, Data Studio. Da- yep, Data Studio. Yeah. Cool. And for those, I think that you can be able to access them, access them on the fly. We also have another one called Dash This, which allows us to be able to show stats as they come through uh, from Facebook and Ad- AdWords. It won't give you the an- analysis that we provide on a monthly basis because that requires a significant amount of time for our, uh, mm. at our end. But even just to see those high-level stats and see how budgets are tracking um, can be a good thing. But again, it comes down to are you going to micromanage everything? Because at some point in time, if you're doing that every day, then you might as well just be managing the campaign yourself. Ugh, who needs to sleep? Yeah. If you, I love the way that I'm just like, I'm going to be controversial. And I swear to God, at the corner of my eye, I could just say like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to like slowly say it so then you guys could just like someone could just Anyway, no, it's worth talking about because a lot of clients don't know, like they might be engaged with yeah. another agency, for example, and they don't know where the, their money's going. And, and that's that's a sign of a problem. Mm. So it's worth talking about. Yeah. Cool. Next question. All right, let's oh move my- on. <laughs> All right, I'm really, I apologize because I'm not wearing my glasses. So if I hold the paper, that looks about right. <laughs> uh, how can I increase my click-through rate? No. So that's in regards okay, to yeah. email marketing. Oh, email marketing. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, what about you, Josh? What do you think? (laughs) I had like many thoughts filling my head, but I, I don't know. I want to. Cool. So there's both open rates as well as click-through rates. Yeah. 
Um, so open rates, normally they're always going to come down to the subject line. Yeah. So whether your subject sure. line is related to your respective list. Um, and so I'd assume that if you run an email marketing campaign, you should be split testing between subject lines as well to find out what are some of the primary drivers to get people opening. Yeah. And then if you, if you look back at like classic copywriting techniques, a lot of that, and I th we may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, it's always about the headline leading people to the subheadline, the subheadline to the first sentence mm -hmm. of the paragraph or the body copy and then et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So really when you're going, we're going through that process and we've talked about IDA as a principle, so capturing attention, building interest, creating desire, and then providing a really clear call to action. Like delivering on all of those should help you to, to figure out what's going to work best. And again, if you're split testing, so if you're running an A-B test on two different emails mm. and you're just trialing, hey, look, this is the, the body copy or this is the message in the body copy versus in email A versus email B, then that could be a really great way of working out whether you've hit um, hit what you wanted to in terms of that, that person going through and clicking yeah. and then proceeding to a website versus not. Mm. So um, I think those insights are really important to do um, sorry, really important to collect and then build over time. So you take okay. your learnings from the first email, you put into the second, and you just keep on rinsing and repeating. It's definitely what we're doing currently. Yeah. And so we're seeing um, certain changes in how people engage with our own emails. Um, but we'll we'll create a hypothesis and then go through and create, um, say, a variant on, on an email because our goal is not only to inevitably get people clicking through, but it's also to better understand what the drivers are for them so that we can be smarter with, sure. the, messages, with the messaging. But this is really interesting because I feel like this could be an entire episode in itself because we've talked mm. about, you know, I think it was a couple of episodes ago, we talked about that, that IDA, are we saying yeah. IDA model? Yeah. Okay, and in that actual post, um, I talked about and expanded upon the whole attention thing because if you can't get attention, because the whole thing right now is, you know, it's getting attention, right? Because sure. everyone's consuming content so quickly and so fast and that email's no longer at the top of the pile anymore. There's social media marketing, for example. Mm. So they um, say. So they say. And, um, yeah, getting attention is absolutely crucial. Um, and so it's kind of interesting with the subject line because <laughs> that is really the thing that's going to at least get people mm -hmm. in. Like, first, it's probably who it's from. Mm. Um, and then it's whatever the subject line is promising or... Um, how it's communicating to you. Um, I've read heaps of, you know, different tactics you can use to capture that attention, to get someone to click. Um, emojis are now yeah. a thing that our people are adding into subject lines because it's kind of like catching the eye because it's not, you know, it doesn't start with a, a letter or anything like that. So it catches the eye, adding the name. Um, of course, there's always, you know, that's a tried and true um, tactic. Is there any others? It's like getting attention in the subject line because I feel like that is, it's like a tweet. <laughs> Did you it's include like, the brand get... name? So well, in terms of tactics, was... yeah. Like including the brand, the company name of who's sending the email. Um, yeah, and sure. it depends on the market too. Like if it's mm. a saturated market, um, so say health supplements. Yeah. And if you've signed up to a myriad of health supplements because you're very active in, in, that, mm -hmm. in a particular sport, then you may get bombarded with newsletter marketing yeah. you know, messaging. So for you to be able to clearly define, oh, cool, um, BAM Creative, the, the, it's quite plainly seen in the subject line. I'll click on that because I know that the content's usually not a sell mm. um, or yeah. for various other reasons. So that's why I think it's really important to be smart. I mean, we can rattle off more tactics like include this button versus this color button or... When everyone's inboxes is just flooded with emojis, we're going to need to find another way. For I, yeah. I'm weird about emojis, but anyway, that's an entirely different episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. um, does anyone have any other final words to say before? Oh, just uh, click through it. Right. No, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're, you're good starting off with um, 
getting them to open the email to begin with, yeah, that's a good way yeah. to start because that has a flow-on effect. And I think it comes back to what we were saying before about just having relevant content. Um, yeah, you can treat it like a landing page, so refer to our previous podcast on that. And, and to be honest, it it's not just, I mean, in, increasing click-through rate isn't necessarily um, limited to email marketing. You can take exactly the same principles to AdWords or Facebook yeah. campaigns. The mm. the user has to be interested in what you have to say. So if you can communicate that clearly, and you've yeah. you know you 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 know who your target audience is, and you've got something of value to say, then then that's the best you can do. Could I just add to that as well? Like what Rich mentioned about mm. making sure you're adding value. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we run through as as one of the many workshops that we have here is really diving into what the psychometric reasons, or sorry, the psychographic reasons are for somebody making a decision. Um, so what their own struggles are, what they're thinking about, uh, what they're trying to address. Sometimes this pertains in our case to business owners and what results they're trying to get within their own business. But those exact questions, they work perfectly for any business that's looking to, to be very articulate in the way they communicate with your audience. So one of the other opportunities on the provisor that say you do already have a, a list or a database is to put out a survey um, so you could do, I think, a like monkey survey or any oh, survey monkey, sorry, yeah. or any other um, survey tools out to your existing client da- database, and then go through those those crucial questions of, hey, what are the challenges? We've we've got a couple. Um, I've I've mentioned ten questions beforehand, which I actively use when I'm meeting with clients, and it really helps to reveal a deeper level of understanding from them um, compared to their cursory assumption of who their target audience was. But doing something like that, and then maybe choosing, and this is up to you, choosing to incentivize people for taking that action. So whether it's a $5 gift card for a completed survey or something like that. $5? It could be anything. I'm not too sure. Like, um, to be honest (laughs) with you, like, you'll figure it out because you're not only trying to navigate increasing the performance of your email, but you're obviously trying to weigh up, hey, how beneficial are these insights from my existing client base versus just sending out email and hoping that it works. But I would, I would put a lot of value into doing some kind of incentive that meets, that resonates with the market. So yeah, yeah if all of your market happened to love Dome Cafe and you determine, cool, for us to get the data from one person is worth $10 or $15, I don't know. But I'd, I'd definitely look at doing something like that because the beauty is once you get all of that information and say you've ended up paying, you know, $500 or something like that mm. to get a lot of results, then those results are going to be gold for you. They will help to tell you exactly what you have to do to get people clicking. You just, you answered my own question because you just said $5 and I just almost vomited my mouth a little bit. But then you said Dome Coffee and I was like, yes, but that's about five bucks. So you got the message right for the audience. So Well, you do. You have to figure yeah. it out. And it's all about you being, you putting in a little bit of the work. Yeah. But if you think that you can just put out an email and hope it works and obviously... In this case for Margot, she already she already knows that she can't, and she's trying to and you're trying to figure out how to do things better. Mm. Then this is a key way of doing that. Yep. Very cool. good. I, I slid it back over there, so I cannot see that piece. That's of okay. <laughs> Josh, you want to take the next one? Cool. Um. All right. Uh, number four. What tools does Bam use to stay organized? <laughs> organized. I'd have to say Trello would be the top of list in terms of how we organize our day to day. Yep. And that's just that's not just our schedule as well, but that's um, our content marketing schedule as well, um, and um, work for our other clients. Mm. So SEO, for example, so reporting. It's I mean, it really is a huge scheduling tool, but it's also a, um, really good for trying to figure out like 
you know, bit, bits and pieces of mm. a project that's currently happening. And um, you can set it up in different ways to make different needs, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, all the little add-ons and stuff. I love mm. the calendar add-on. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, also using Active Colab, which is a really awesome mm. project management um, tool, which... I think a lot of it's quite popular. A lot of people are using it. It's pretty comprehensive. Before um, um, before you guys move over, we can away from Trello. Can yeah. you explain to oh. people that have never heard about Trello before? Trello, what it is, and it's basically a card organizing card system um, platform. And so basically, you can use it to create anything. Uh, you know, shopping lists if you really wanted to. Mm. Um, you know, friends of mine have even used it for wedding planning, for example. So you can basically sort cards. Um, if you want to give stuff to your husband, like. The DJ, you can move the DJ card to the husband pile, <laughs> just for example, um, and you can collaborate as well. So you can create a board um, and have people come and share it and add their own cards and sort them together. So you can add you know due dates to it. You can do labels, which makes it really cool to customize. Mm. You can assign people to different cards, which is also really cool. And the great thing about the actual cards themselves is that you can also create um, checklists um, and keep track of, you know, to-do lists. And you can also add notes, um, which is super helpful because it'll and it kind of like logs the history of, of absolutely everything that's gone on with that card. So that's why it's mm. really helpful, not just for scheduling, but it's really helpful for like our social media, our content marketing because. Um, I can see what's being done, what's being scheduled, if there's any issues with it, um, and who it's assigned to. So it's, mm. it's really helpful in that way. Yeah, the um, the things you mentioned about the labels and the um, the users assigned to it um, makes for a really interesting filtering system as well. So you can yeah. you can choose to view different things at one time. You can look at one person's board for the day and you can see what they've got on or what they've got, um, what their availability is for the week coming up. That's how we do it. But you can also choose just maybe um, your own projects, which might be assigned to four different people over the course of a week. And you can see where your projects are tracking as well. So mm. that's, that's how I use it. Yeah. And I mean, we do use that in, in partnership with Active Collab, for example, but Trello, I mean, Active Collab kind of holds the guts of all yeah. of our projects and our clients, but Trello is really the whole, it's the whiteboard sort of like what's going on. It's the overseeing of everything that's happening. And it really is yeah. part of our core, I suppose, yeah, organizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say if we want to move on from that, we use um, Outlook for our calendars as well. So we've got shared yeah. calendars. I have um, a problem with Outlook. Like, yeah. my hair is not quite like this, but like, it's because of Outlook. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on from Outlook. Um, on it's, personal, it's probably like, something that I use quite a bit, though. Um, yeah, so, you, you're a bit, yeah. Yeah, I'll schedule all my appointments and um, certainly I'll have the... Um, yeah, I'll have the appointments booked or if I have to get proposals ready, I'll use that. I'll put that in Trello so I can track mm. what's been done, what needs to be done. Um, further from there, I'll use Outlook for the calendars as well. But I also, so from a BD or a sales perspective, which has, uh, and I, I guess this tool could in some degree also be used for, a, say, a customer relationship management yeah. um, tool as well, or the middle ground before you're getting a fully built one. But um, I also use Pipedrive, which is, allows me to be able to track interactions from the time somebody makes an inquiry through to the time that they complete it. And the completion is either, you know, uh, we receive a sale or we don't receive a sale. But all correspondence is recorded in there. So phones, emails, um, meetings, tasks, um, anything like that. And the really great thing about Pipedrive as well is that you're able to put in a BCC email, which is unique to each specific client, 
or even each specific deal related to a, a client or prospect. And we, that allows me to be able to track any email correspondence and make sure that that's all recorded for later reflection. The, the benefit of that is that if I'm away on a day and there is a project that's getting started or there's information that we need to access, then somebody within the team can be able to go into Pipedrive and, and go through to that deal or to that client and see any of the emails that have come through previously. So uh, that's, that's another one that I use to keep track of everything. And yeah, it helps me to be able to work out, cool, this sales at this stage in the pipeline versus this one. So mm. this may not, again, it, it won't specifically apply to the marketing space, but especially if you're looking for a way to be able to record email and interaction mm. so that all of the team can see it um, versus just giving your password for them to log in and see your emails only and not know, oh, actually, Margot or yep. um, Rich called this person up yesterday or went for a meeting on this day. Um, then, yeah, that's really helpful in that regard. It's actually an amazingly smart user interface, and I've recommended it to some clients because it just fit their needs perfectly. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good tool. Um, personally, um, just to keep things running um, for myself, I use just the Reminders app on uh, Mac OS, so I can just quickly boot that up, type something in with a due date, hit return, and then quit it. And then two days later, I'll know that I won't have forgotten something. So that's just a quick way for me to keep myself organised. Cool. Yep. I'm just organized up here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm very heavily reliant on Trello specifically because I do a lot of SEO and content marketing. And so, yeah, knowing what's going on, being able to share and in, collaborate, in collaboration with that, I also use Google Drive for everything, docs, sheets, because it's so much easier to share and keep track of all the changes in there as well. So that's a really helpful thing for me specifically for yeah content marketing and um, social media marketing as well. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Uh, in terms of collaboration, which wasn't part of organization, mm. but I think we could probably mention that as a side note. Yeah. Um, we use Slack internally. Yeah. And so that's a great um, tool for us to be able to bounce ideas off of one another or check on when we can get assistance on certain items or certain tasks. So I find that really helpful because you can have either a direct message, group message, or a topic-related message. Mm. Um, And it depends on the size of your team. It also depends, I guess, on the industry because some people are going to be open to using a messaging app versus others that will just turn around and say, hey, John, um, can you help me with this? So it depends on the company, obviously, but that's one of the other ones that we use. We're an open plan office, but it would probably get a bit noisy if um, all the Slack conversations were verbal instead. It gets noisy when one person (laughs) is on the phone. Yeah. I wonder who that is. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but uh, the Australian government uses it as well. I believe Malcolm Turnbull uses it more specifically. Slack? Yep. Wow. I'm going to have to Google that just to confirm, but I'm pretty sure he does actually use it. So. Have to sign up to his yeah, workspace. We'll, we'll yeah. I, don't, I wonder what his workspace name is. It's probably something totally random like Sweet Potato. I don't know. He just gives me that vibe. <laughs> is there any other questions for today? Oh, there is one. Yes. Um, cool. Do you want to take away number five? I cannot even say that. Go what for it. What made BAM's most effective campaign so effective? Which is our most effective campaign? We have quite a few. Like mm. I don't want to be what, what, what are we specifically talking? Social media marketing or everything? Do you want to just talk about the content marketing one? Because that seems to have... That's one we've all been in on. There's a few um, marketing campaigns for people that are not in this room. And so I don't think I can accurately represent the <laughs> successes of that particular campaign. But we, yeah, can talk about our content marketing Let's campaign. Let's talk about that. Because we, we're well, all in on it. We all understand. I mean, we had an entire... Let's uh, so just talk about it. We're at episode 11 now. It's 
been it's been a few weeks. And, it's um, been two weeks. We've somehow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's been what two months? Uh, January 31st Over. was the first episode. January 31st. July 31st was the first episode. <laughs> God, I'm like, it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, July 31st. So, so less than two months. Yeah. I believe you. I can't even think right now. And we're getting leads. <laughs> we're getting leads through our activities because mm. people are noticing. You mm. guys are noticing what we're doing. Yeah, no, it's going really well. I think the I think it was I episode love how deep six. Yeah, <laughs> you got really Daria about that. I love it. You guys know how effective you guys know. That is. Do you guys know? Do you guys? Anyway, so I would. I mean, it's not. It's not the most effective campaign in terms of, in terms of uh, absolute numbers. All right, but it is. Uh, it is an effective campaign in terms of what we're doing to get that. Okay, so I was just about to say absolute is relative, but wait. <laughs> So it's what has made it, <laughs> what, what, okay, so the what is, is more specifically, and this probably goes back to your first question as well. Um, so even though we do an episode, um, we do the episode, we do video, we do written, and then from that we've broken down the content. There have been a couple of episodes in which that I have not been here, and so therefore I haven't had time to create additional content for those particular episodes, so nothing went out. And in the in that time, it's very obvious. I'm very sorry, but guys, I can't do it when I'm on a plane. Like, it's impossible. They have um, Wi-Fi on a plane. They didn't have Wi-Fi on this plane, Virgin Australia, if you're listening. <laughs> so, uh, sort <laughs> out, Virgin. You spend more money. But um, in those weeks that I didn't uh, do additional content, you could very clearly see the plateau in um traffic um in inquiries so um what has made it most effective is the ability to take the content and going back to what you were saying as well take the content split it up into smaller pieces of content so people can consume the smaller pieces of content Mm. on different platforms with different messages at different times and also have you know, the main, the core pieces of content. So we're really covering all of our bases and we're actually publishing and rolling it out over, I think it's, now we've actually expanded it to eight weeks. So it it's, yeah, we're so creating I, okay. more pieces of content. Let's now. say hmm. it is possibly BAM Creative's most ambitious campaign. Yeah. And it's a success um, so far. Yeah, it's, because we yeah. are getting results from it. So I would say what has made it effective would be yeah the fact that it, it, we we have so many touch points. Yeah. Okay, and that's what's working for us. And you you've got the results of that because if you if you reduce that then you you see yeah the reduction in the, the result. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, when you start getting client inquiries or when you start getting um, sales inquiries, and you can tell from the outset that they're very different because the entire dialogue beforehand has already been set for you. Like the foundation has been laid in terms of if we had to envision our ideal client, um, one, two, possibly, yeah, three of those leads that, that have come come through, they've all met that standard of not being price-driven, mm-hmm. not being price-averse um, to a degree, and also already understanding what our own perspective on things is, what our level of understanding about specific channels is. Mm-hmm. So when they're talking to us, they don't feel like they have to kind of feel around to see what yeah, we know, whether we're just, you know, yeah. you know, we're fronting as 
the the sales people at the front who don't actually know any of the detail mm. um, versus some other other agencies where they're really just the face of the company and then they have to go back and communicate that need to somebody on the computers taken away and then come back and then um, pr- provide that that solution so I think all of that working together is only really possible through this and a large percent if not all of it has been due to Jess's efforts so well, she's not allowed to fly anymore she she has to take a car <laughs> oh, those are to Uber. Sydney from now on because yeah. it's just not acceptable that she not have Wi-Fi but um, it's true it's unacceptable yeah yeah. yeah. She, she needs a little <laughs> Wi-Fi little kind of station next to her hip but um, it, it all it all just it all really because that that period of time when things dropped off for you yeah. uh, for the content the the drop off in social traffic was between say 30 to maybe 35% yeah. 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 And so it's significant when you think about it. Just the the drop in consistency, and I think those are the keys for us. If we had to come up with the the three, like if we just go around the room, like what would you say are the two key thing, key key takeaways from just that campaign? There. Hard work. Yeah. It is. Yeah. No, honestly, yeah. it is yeah. absolutely hard work. It's yeah. Hmm. Mm. So that's hard it's and work. Hard those and are the two work. Tips. <laughs> yeah. No, come on, let's just keep it G rated here. It's just hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the fact that you, you, the calendar likes the publishing calendar for all these different um, cross-channel messages is so broad. I think that's working really well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it could it, it's hard work for you, but we we've got a starting point that makes it easier. If you just had to write mm-hmm. the, the blog posts from scratch, um, you'd you'd find it more challenging. I think we've all agreed that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a. Um, I guess we've got a good routine. Yeah, thanks to Jess, because we weren't going to do another podcast this week, were we? And then Jess was like, "We've Sorry, got to guys. get this done." <laughs> Please help me help you. <laughs> I'm like Donkey Kong. So, but, it's, but I don't think anyone here thinks it's hard work to do this. It's not like yeah. we roll our eyes and we're like, "God, do we have to do this again?" No, it's fun. Oh, we like it. And I every just episode's different. Day if I could. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's really good. And, yeah. and so I guess just finding your, your mix of what works for you, because obviously we're targeting a bunch of channels, yes. but every company is going to be very different. Some are B2B, and so they won't see any relevancy in Facebook, mm-hmm. for instance. But um, like what we do in this still applies. Like if you only use LinkedIn and Twitter and email, then mm-hmm. there's still a, or your own website for posting the blog content, there's still a way to do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say just, just be really smart. Look at what you can do in terms of your in, internal resources. Look for where there is a gap in the market mm-hmm. as far as what content is not being provided and in what manner or what media. And then put together a plan. Try it out for a period of time. Review that. We reviewed our first one just by chance after three weeks. Yeah. And then we saw that, in, that really yeah. impressive growth. Mm-hmm. So doing the same thing should have, have you set on, on the right path. Yep, cool. Good, cool. Good stuff. Awesome. And that, that, that's pretty much it. Good episode. All right. Thank you so much for your questions, Mario. Appreciate That's awesome. And we have more questions, but if you would like to ask yeah. your question, you can tweet us at BAM Creative. Um, you can email us podcast at bam.com.au. Thank you so much for watching and listening to us. And make sure you subscribe. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See ya. See ya.